<laughs> All right, um, welcome back everybody to the Cinema Space episode three. Cinema Space, there. My first take. I'm not gonna lie, I got the title wrong. But anyhow, we're back, and this week, or this day, I don't know if I don't really have a schedule to be honest with you. I just kind of upload when I want. Uh, we are going to be talking about the brand new Ninja Turtles movie, Mutant Mayhem. Just came out August 2nd. Um, my dumb ass went to go watch it because I am a huge Turtles fan. Uh, I've been, I've been watching Ninja Turtles since I was little. Well, I watched, uh, the 2003 show, 2012 show on Nickelodeon. I haven't seen Rise because, I don't know. Uh, I've watched all the movies up until this point. Scratch that. I haven't seen a 2007 CGI one. I've seen some clips from it, but I haven't watched the movie actually. But you know what? No, nonetheless, I'm, I'm a Ninja Turtles fan. You know, I'm a big Ninja Turtles fan. I love the love the turtles, love their stories, uh, love the comics. Pretty cool. Um, so I was excited for this movie because we haven't really gotten a Ninja Turtles film since 2016. Um, shout out to Michael Bay, and uh, those films were um, it was something. They were something. So, um, got Seth, Seth Rogen here producing, mainly, also in the movie as Bebop. Um, this is start up. General thoughts on the film. I really liked it. This is, this is probably, this is probably the best Turtles movie that I've seen since the 90s film. Like, the first 19, like, the movie that came out in 1990. That live action turtles film. This is this is the best turtles movie since then. Like it's this movie is so good. Uh, first thing, first thing, the animation of these turtles is just wonderful. It's definitely like Spider Verse inspired. I've seen a lot of an I see a lot of animated like works kind of taking a lot of inspiration from like the Spider Verse movies. This movie is definitely one of those. The animation style definitely resembles it. And it works. It's not as good as the Spider-Verse films. Obviously, those movies, animation, they're in a league of their own. But, you know, this movie looks really good. I really like the art style. Uh, I think it works great for these characters and this universe. And, you know, it's just nice to see. All right, now on to... Before I get into the actual, like, plot of the movie some of the other things let's talk about the turtles themselves now uh i really like the turtle designs uh the design of the turtles there's a lot of inspiration from other versions of them that that have existed over the years you know these turtles definitely look a lot younger like they definitely give off the teenage vibe and I'll get into that in a little bit. You know, their designs are really nice and, like, solid. You can see, like, there's definitely, like, a big 80s inspiration with these turtles. Especially with how, like, comedic they are. And especially with their outfits. Um, how each turtle is kind of got, like, their, their color to them. And, like, yeah, like, the turtles' bandanas and stuff. Their ninja masks have always been, like, different colors since that, uh, 87 show, but, like, how, like, their elbow pads, their knee pads, all that stuff is, like, all their specific color, and the initials on their belt buckles, too, that's ripped straight from the 80s show, 
So I thought that was a little nice nod. I noticed that almost immediately because that's not in any other version of the Turtles. To my knowledge, at least that exists. Maybe some like of the Archie comics or something. I don't really know. <laughs> but but yeah, like the different like skin tones of the Turtles 2 is really neat. Because fun fact, the Turtles are not biologically siblings. They're, they're, brother, they're brothers in spirit, not in like blood. So, and that's, like, something that not all turtle turtle shows do. Uh, They usually all look exactly the same, minus a few weapons and uh, mask mask colors. But, you know, they really make each turtle look very unique here. So, that's really nice. You also see, like, um, the turtles do have some other things that come from, like, even from the bay turtles. Like, how Raphael's mask kind of covers his whole head. Um, that's also in the Rise show. Donatello with the glasses. Um, the only other Turtles property that I can think of where Donnie wears glasses is the Bay movies. Um, you know, and him with all the tech around. Like, he has the headphones around his neck. He has his, like, uh, phone in his um, pocket or whatever. It's a little nice. Uh, and, like, moving away from the Turtle designs, these Turtles feel very young like they definitely with this movie leaned into the teenage aspect of the teenage mutant ninja turtles a lot and i like noticed that immediately when i saw who their voice actors were their voice actors are very very young they got actual teenagers to voice these turtles um the youngest of which is about 15 the oldest is 19 so these turtles are all actual like teenagers obviously like range in ages or whatever but like still and that helps to make these turtles feel a lot younger and that's something that you could criticize this like series for is that the turtles in most versions are around 15 years old when their story starts but man they do not feel or look like teenagers at all a lot of them look like hulking like turtle monsters (laughs) Uh, again, shout out to the Bay Turtles, shout out to the O3 Turtles, I mean, even the 87 Turtles, like, they are, like, massive, like, them boys is built, but, like, these Turtles, they definitely feel a lot younger, and it's not even just their appearance or their voice actors, like, the way these Turtles are written makes them feel like teenagers, like, I watched this movie, and I saw these, like, tur- the Turtles, like, you know, saying, like, the corny ass, like, um, like New York lingo and stuff. Like there's that one scene um, where they're about to go meet Superfly or whatever. And they all kind of start just spitting out ling- like New York type lingo and stuff. Like, you know, Donnie talks about bacon, egg and cheese. Uh, you know, they're all, you, you're, you know, we outside. Like <laughs> they, they start doing all that. Like, um, like I guess stereotypical kind of New York shit, which I really appreciate it. That definitely, like, makes them feel a lot younger. I mean, that's a lot of stuff that I kind of grew up saying, uh, you know, growing up in New York. And, you know, it's it's really nice. These turtles, very immature. And you could tell that in not even just the way that they act, too, and the stuff they say. Like, these turtles, like, are not that capable, to be honest. Um, these tur- the, tur- the turtles here... Um, we see their first fight scene when they go to um, get April's bike back from like wh- the people who stole it. 
And these turtles fight really sloppy. Like you can tell that they are that they have some training. Like, cause they're not just getting their asses whooped. You can tell these turtles have been through some training and stuff and that they, you know, like they practice this shit, but like, man, they have such inexperience. And that's something I really liked from this group. Cause, you know, the turtles usually in most iterations of this team are very capable out the jump, man. Like the Splinter's been training them for years in ninjutsu and blah, blah, blah. You know, Splinter, the master. And these turtles come out for their first fight and they whoop ass. And in this fight, they, in their first fight in this movie, they don't really whoop ass. They kind of like stumble around, like Leo loses his swords, Raph kind of is just doing whatever. You know, they're kind of just making shit up as they go. And I really like that about this because, man, that feels a lot more realistic. Like these are young teenagers. And yes, they are trained in like, an ancient, like, fighting art, but, man, they do not have any fighting experience, like, and that was just, like, a neat little detail, and and that goes for all of the fights that they participate in in this movie, like, later on when they're trying to stop Superfly's machine, or even when they're trying to demutate the giant Superfly, like, kaiju or whatever, (laughs) Like, you could tell, like, these boys do not have that much experience in, like, fighting and all this other stuff. And, again, that's really neat to see because, again, like, it really presents these turtles as, like, teenagers. Like, I don't, like, even if somebody who have been practicing martial arts for their entire life and they're, like, 13 to 15 years old, you know, first first actual fight, like, in the world, like, you're not going to be the best. Like, you, that's stuff... Like, that kind of confidence, that kind of, like, um, I guess maturity is stuff you gain from experience. And obviously, these turtles have been living in the sewer their entire lives. They don't have that. And I thought that was really neat. And it does really help with their uh, age. Because, um, and uh, I don't know. And seeing where these turtles end up in the movie, I don't know if their fighting ability, if they're going to get any better. Which, you know, might come back to bite them in the ass in a sequel but we'll get to that um, something else i like about these turtles is like these turtles really like go through a really nice arc in this film for me like we have these turtles who uh you know grow up in new york and if anyone who has grown up in new york uh like myself uh in new york city like it has a new york city has a really rich culture and you know it's a very like fun place to be and all that you know shout out to all the people that uh were riding <laughs> in uh union square a few days ago man some of y'all some of y'all don't know how to act but anyways and like the you see the turtles in this movie all they want to do is be a part they like they see like humans and like all like the human world and stuff and they want to be a part of that like they want to go to high school they want to you know fit in and be like like looked at as like you know normal and i thought that was a really nice like detail like we see in some other version of the turtles like you know they want to go out they want to like go out into the real world and stuff but like we never seen a motivation like this and i feel like that's so real for these kind of characters and the way they grew up like seeing all this stuff that they couldn't really be a part of and you know because like the one time that splinter while they were growing up brought them into like the real world they got fucking like shunned and like 
you know, called like monsters and stuff. And like, you know, Splinter's trying to protect them from that. So like they don't really, so like they just want to be able to like fit in and, you know, just be amongst people and just, you know, have like a normal like teenage life. And I think that's like an amazing story to like bring these characters. And it's like a great motivation for them. Because, like, anybody, like, even, like, people, like, in the world, like, the that struggle of, like, wanting to fit in and stuff is, like, real for everyone. And everyone goes through it at some point in their life. So, it, like, really hits home for, like, a lot of people. And, like, even for me, like, seeing these guys, like, just want to, like, just be a part of, like, civilization and just, like, you know, be considered normal. And, like, like I have people, like, look at them like they're disgusting mutant animals. Which, I mean, they are, but, like... <laughs> Shit, they probably don't smell too good living in them fucking sewers, bro. I can tell you that much. You ever seen them? You ever smelt a New York City sewer, bro? Bro, oh my god, it is it's awful. It's awful. It's awful. You ever seen a sewer? Ever if you ever gone by a sewer entrance and taken a whiff, bro? That shit will kill your nostrils, on God. But <laughs> but like other than that, like you know, I did really like the storyline we got with the turtles, and then like even later on, like these guys kind of realize. Like, their reason for wanting to stop Superfly and all that is really selfish. And, like, they don't... And, like, they kind of realize that they need to, like, do the do what's right and, like, stop him. Not so that people will, like, like them and shit, but because, like, it's the right thing to do. And I think that's a, that's a really nice, like, little scene, like, towards the end of the movie in that final battle. You know, and then seeing, like... And then people, like, seeing them, like, actually, like, trying to help and lend a hand um and like stop superfly and then like helping them out and like fucking like cheering them on once they actually like do it you know is really really nice thing and i think that wraps up their story really well and like most of the turtles in this movie don't really have an arc outside of that leonardo does have a pretty nice arc because you get to leonardo's usually a character in ninja turtles that people kind of don't like a lot because he isn't very interesting. Like all the other turtles have very distinct traits and stuff that kind that you can really use to differentiate them. Like you know, Raph's like a hothead, blah blah blah. Mikey's a, like a fun going, like carefree party guy. Donnie's like an intelligent, like intelligent, and all this other stuff. Leonardo, people usually just say yeah, he's the leader, but there's not a lot of traits people really can say about him outside of that in most other iterations of this character. And um, the 2012 show does do a good job at showing this like kind of teenage naivety. Is that a word? I don't know. We gonna rock with it. Um, with Leonardo, and how he kind of like wants to be a leader, and he's like inspired by like the cartoons and stuff he watches. And we see that in this movie too. Like Leonardo, like he's like deemed the leader of this team of this like team, and like he really wants to, you know, like be a good leader and like you know. He like he's like the responsible one. He's not really about like crossing like Splinter's like um like lines and stuff. And we see like his brothers don't fully like respect him. They like they definitely like care for him and stuff, but they do definitely do like shit on him a lot. Like when they're trying to come up with like last names for themselves, like they kind of make fun of how like um Leo's last name would be like Nardo or whatever and they like clown him for that. And then, like, we get, like, when all of them are, like, goofing off, like, basically playing Fruit Ninja in real life. 
And like they're all kind of just like Donnie, Mikey, and Raph are kind of just doing their thing there together, and they're kind of just excluding Leo with that, and like kind of calling him a rat and shit because you know he kind of he kind of folded when Splinter was asking him why they were so late the night before, and like Leo just kind of wants to. Leo's a character who, like, he definitely like wants to also be accepted and be. Like, you know, like, treated well in the world, just like his brothers. But, like, he also, like, has a very deep respect for rules and all this stuff. And we see a struggle to be a leader. Like, he does, like, the stupid Batman voice, which is something that he also does in a 2012 show, which is, like, a nice little detail. Um, Not a Batman voice specific, but he does, like, a lot of corny-ass shit in that movie that, like, makes him seem more, like, of a leader. Um, And, like, we see later on in this movie, like, Leo's the one who comes to that epiphany of like they need to do they need to stop superfly because it's the right thing to do and he and he like really be and he really like becomes a leader in that moment because he like takes his brother instead of trying to conform his brothers to like how he wants like them to do things or whatever he like uses their strength and all that to inspire them and to really like help them like reach their goal of stopping superfly and that's how they ended up stopping him in the end which it was a really nice little character thing for Leonardo there. Um, also his also his uh little uh crush on April is very funny to see. Uh, going back to the 2012 show, Donnie's the one who has a crush on her in, the, in that show. And again, this is something in this movie that all his other brothers clown him for. Like Leonardo, really, <laughs> he gets the most of it from these guys. Like it is, it's kind of bad, but. Yeah, the Turtles have a really nice arc in this movie. It's really fun to see, and it's really fun to see them, like, really just be teenagers and all that. Like, we see them when Superfly is offering, to, it, like, tells them his plan for how they can be, like, accepted and stuff. is basically just kill all humans and mutants take over this shit. Um, how all of them are really, like, hesitant and don't want to do it, but they're too scared of him, and then they have to come up with some plan to get the device he needs away from him and stuff. Um, yeah, like, the, the turtles in this movie are just great. Their bond is great. How they act is great. Like, these guys are... You really do, get, again, get the sense that they are teenagers. And, like, their story is just really nice to see. And even Splinter in this movie goes through a nice little arc in, in this film. Because Splinter is very much a very overprotective parent, you know... For good reason, he's seen, he's like, he gave the world, the human world a chance, uh, and they just shit all over him, you know, and he, like, does what he does in order to protect his sons, like, he taught them ninjutsu and stuff, he learned ninjutsu and taught them ninjutsu in order to protect them, uh, he doesn't like when they are out so long or interact with, with humans because he's scared of what they'll do to them. Uh, and and again, this is a, a very... It's not a thing that just comes out of nowhere. Like, we see Splinter's backstory. And I'll talk about the origin story changes later. Because there's a very important plot point that involves their origin that I need to discuss at a later point. It will make, it will make sense. It will make sense. Don't worry. Just, just let me cook. Let me cook. But, um, yeah, Splinter in this movie... You know, we again, we see him even before his mutation when he's just a normal ass rat just going about the world. You know, all the other rats kind of aren't fucking with him. 
you know, his one p- friend who was a cockroach died and he ate him. <laughs> like, obviously, New Yorkers don't take too kindly to rats. Like, we don't really fuck with them that much. So they, they don't like them. Like, Splinter's just trying to be out here and survive. Like, and the turtles, you know, when he found them covered in the mutagen, they were the first, like, like things to, like, ever, like, show him any kindness. So he, like, took it upon himself to take care of the turtles. And, you know, he raised them as, like, his kids and all that. And he, like, does everything he can to protect them. And, like, we get to see, like, Splinter's, like, hatred of humans for that reason. Like how they are, like, not going to accept his sons or him and, like, how, like, he's, like, like, lonely without them. Like, we see, like, and that's, like, a thing about Splinter. Like, he's a mutant rat. Like, his sons, honestly, before, obviously, before the Turtles meet, like, April and Casey, who isn't in this movie, but I digress. You know, before he, like, before they meet their, like, other, like, humans and stuff, uh, the other side characters, Splinter, like, the turtles are, that's all he has, that's the only family he has, and we saw, like, Splinter's, like, the loneliness that he faced, and the struggles he faced, like, before his mutation, before he found the turtles, and all that, it's, it, it's honestly, like, kind of upsetting, and, like, we see Splinter in this movie, like, see his sons really want to be a part of that human world, and he, like, you know, there's that, like, like, little corny, like, scene where he tries to, like, bring them, he brings, like, the cutouts of, like, famous celebrities and stuff, and like peak and like he brings them a shit ton of pizza and lights and all this and he's like trying to like cheer his sons up and like spend time with them and they just kind of brush him off because they're trying to do their thing and stop superfly unbeknownst to him and you know we see splinter (laughs) there's that little scene you know he's playing the sad music sad boy music um by himself in the sewer lair you know, it's, and it's, it's upsetting, you know, we see, and, like, that's the reason why Splinter, like, acts the way he does towards them, because he doesn't want to lose his sons, they're all he has, um, and, like, he just wants to make sure that they're gonna be safe and all that, and then we get to see Splinter, like, through Superfly, like, see how he, and his way of thinking about the world is, like, kind of wrong, that, like, even though Splinter might not, like, really like humans too much, uh, that, you know, if the turtles like, like, human stuff, and if they're happy and want to be a part of that kind of world, that he's going to do what he can to make them a part of that world, and, you know, like, be supportive of his sons, and I, I really do like Splinter's arc in this movie, and, you know, a lot of Ninja Turtles films don't really have an arc for Splinter, not even a lot of the shows, um, well, there are some exceptions, but Splinter is a character that's mostly stagnant throughout most of Ninja Turtles, and it's nice to see him have a little bit of character development here. I, I thought that was a nice little thing this movie did, so I, I thought that was really neat. Um, April in this film, I mean, she's alright. She's not like she's not really particularly any good, but she's not terrible either. You know, we've seen, there's been a lot of different versions of April. You know, we've seen April as, like, a scientist. We've seen her as a news reporter. We've seen her, we have seen her as a teenager before. Um, You know, she, in this version, you know, she's a teenager. She wants to be a journalist. So they're definitely taking the news reporter route with this character. And, you know, she's all right. Like, she kind of helps the turtles with their quest to take down Superfly. Like, she does her role well. Like, I don't really have much to say about her. She's kind of just... She's there. 
I don't like her. I don't hate her. But, you know. Uh, I do, however, like some of the other side characters in this film. All of the mutants are pretty freaking cool. I'm not gonna lie. They're, they're, they're fucking awesome. Like, super fly... The, like, okay, just to get this out the way, the voice cast in this movie is stacked as fuck. When I looked at the cast list for this film, it is insane. We got Jackie Chan as Splinter, Seth Rogen, John Cena, Ice Cube, Post Malone's in this, Paul Rudd, uh, John Carlo Espinosa as Baxter Stockman. I'll get to that. You know, like, we have some really, really good, like, actors in this movie. Like... And they do a great job with these characters. I think the mutants in this film are so much fun. Now, Ice Cube as Superfly is so fucking awesome. This dude is amazing. And his origin, like, you can kind of understand because he kind of goes through the same kind of uh, thing as Splinter does. And I think that's a really great contrast. We get to see, like, the two ways that, like, uh, the like characters raised in this like, kind of atmosphere go because... We see at the beginning of the movie, um, Baxter Stockman, voiced by John Carlos Espinosa, great actor, uh, is he's the one who creates the mutagen for TCRI. Again, I'll get to the origin story stuff later. He, his main, um, like I guess pet, mute, uh, whatever you could say, is Superfly, and. Like, you know, we see the other mutants and, uh, like, little test tubes that um, are spread throughout his lab. Um, we see him finish the canister of ooze that would eventually mutate the turtles. Uh, and then he gets raided by TCRI, you know, to try to steal his stuff. Superfly gets out of there. He takes his, all the guy, all the other um, mutants in the, that are in the little capsules and, like, raises them. Um, helps raise them. And they, like, like a family and all that. And, like, they try to be a part of normal life, too. And also, same thing happens. They get, like, shit on. And, you know, it's a really nice contrast to see Superfly with Splinter. Again, it helped, like, back what I was saying with Splinter, it definitely helped his character arc a lot. To see, like, the other way he could have gone with his hate for humans. And how that, like, you know, affects, like, the people around you and stuff. You know, and, like, man, he's just so much fun in this role. Like, Ice Cube is so amazing. I, I really hope he comes back for the sequel, which, I mean, he might. We do see Superfly at the end of this movie demutated, but the uh, TCRI people, you know, they got him. So, you never know. We could we could see the, we could see him come back. So, there's definitely room for him to return. Um, I will say an interesting thing with Superfly. So, when I heard that Superfly would be the villain for this movie... A little confused because I was thinking at first that the villain was just gonna be Baxter Stockman. Because if anyone, anyone who knows Ninja Turtles in a few different versions of the Turtles, mainly the 87 cartoon and the 2012 cartoon, Baxter Stockman is mutated into a fly by the Shredder. So I thought that Baxter Stockman was probably gonna be the main like bad guy of this movie. And you can, and I feel like that's the way that they were intending at first. Like, you can even see like. In Superfly's design, like, he kind of has the same hair as Baxter and all that. Which, and interesting that they did with them. I don't even know if Baxter Stockman really lived or died after that raid at the beginning of the film. I'm gonna assume, I want to assume that he didn't die because Baxter Stockman is a very interesting character in his own right. 
and I hope that they would bring him back for some for some stuff. But I mean, if we don't, then we only got John Carlo for one scene. That's kind of rough. But you know, even still with that, um, man, I'm just I just can't get over how good this cast list is. Jesus Christ, why is this cast so stacked? Oh my God. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways, so, like, the other side characters are really great. Like, Mondo Gecko is great. Paul Rudd does a great job with him. Uh, Leatherhead in this movie, uh, obviously. Like, there, um, I can't even remember some of the other mutants. Bebop and Rocksteady. Ooh, great in this film. Which, they are different from their original. So, Bebop and Rocksteady first appear in the 87 cartoon. They're in a few other Ninja Turtle properties. But the thing is, they're usually villains. And they are villains at the beginning of this. But they kind of turned into good guys after like the turtles kind of help see help the other mutants see reason and i like that like that's that's kind of nice like we are so used to seeing the, these those two characters specifically be like antagonists that like it's, it's a nice change of pace to see them be like allies with the turtles and stuff and you never know this that could always change there's they could do whatever they want with these characters moving forward um, you never know, maybe some mind control, maybe something else, like, turns them to be villains again, and then we could have some, like, cool fight scenes with them and stuff like that, like we've seen in other Turtles projects, but, you know, that's to be seen later on. Um, the, okay, next let's talk about the, uh, T okay, so, Cynthia, I'm pretty sure is her name, is the TCRI lady, or whatever the ex executive was. I honestly thought she was just a normal ass person until she said her last name, which is Utrom. Anyone who knows Ninja Turtles, we all know who the Utroms are. So for y'all who don't know, Utroms are basically these little brain creatures. Like they're aliens from another planet. In most versions of the Turtles, they're stranded on Earth and they create TCRI as a way to try to get back home so and the utrams are the ones responsible for making the mutagen and all this other stuff like they're like the main people with that um and another thing that comes from the utram is krang who makes his first appearance in the 87 cartoon and you know he's in the 2012 cartoon he's in the 2016 movie blah 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 um, and Krang is a pretty big antagonist for the Turtles in every version that he shows up in. Usually the Utrams are allies, but Krang isn't. And we see that Cynthia isn't really, um, a great person. She tries to milk them for, la <laughs> you know, that's literally what the machine's called. It's like the Milktron 9000 or some shit. It's so, such a funny scene. Splinter was like, man, I told y'all they were gonna milk y'all asses. Anyways. But, like, yeah, so we see Cynthia. Um, the cool thing about Cynthia, though, and why I bring up the Krang thing with the Utram last name is because if you look, and I didn't notice this until after the movie, if you look at Cynthia's clothing and the way that she looks, she's wearing a lot of Krang-like colors. Like, she got the same kind of color scape as, like, the Krang, as, like, Krang's, like, robot uh, body from the 87 cartoon. It is insane. Um, so... I'm thinking that because the way that Krang and the Utrams work is they move around mostly by exoskeletons that have like a little opening for their brain selves in the chest. I'm thinking that little Cynthia might actually just be a Krang in disguise. 
you know, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things that you could uh, do with that. There's a lot of world building potential to be able to do with that. You know, we have the Krangs. Oh, uh, we can you can introduce Dimension X or maybe the or maybe she is an Utram and she just goes by Krang. Um, and she has you know there's like a Krang uh, Utram planet whatever like there's a lot of stuff that you can do with that involving turtle involving the turtle universe and all. Uh, so I really thought that was a nice little detail. Um, shout out to her. But yeah, so uh, let's. I, I think that's all I want to say about most of the stuff in this movie. Uh, let's get to the ending. So, the turtles, you know, after defeating Superfly, are accepted by society. Everyone's cool with them. Whatever. They start going to school. We see them at prom, whatever. We see them doing all the stuff, like Raph's wrestling. Donnie's with, like, the anime people. Uh, Leo's doing his stuff with April, researching more about TCRI in general. And then uh, we see, like, Cynthia kind of watching them in the post-credit scene of the movie. Yes, this movie does have a post-credit scene. Um, she's kind of watching them, realizing that being able to... getting get, Like, finding them isn't going to be a problem, but getting them is going to be the, the hard part here. Because... So, basically, Cynthia in this movie wants the turtles for one reason. And it's for the mutagen in their bloods. Bloods, god damn, yo, encryption. Um, but <laughs> she wants the turtles so that she can milk them for the mutagen that's in their bloodstream. Um, because Baxter Stockman created the mutagen, at um, we see him perfecting at the start of the movie, and all that shit got destroyed, and she doesn't have any other access to his research or anything concerning the mutagen. So she needs, she wants a way to be able to get it so she can build. She can make super soldiers and shit out of the out of the like the mutagen and stuff. That she explains to the turtles before she milks them. And yeah, that's that's uh if that plot sounds familiar to you, it's the same shit from the 2014 movie. Um, you know the villains are trying to get the tur are trying to are, want the turtles so they can milk them for their blood because their blood is their only access to mutagen because someone destroys all their research. Uh, so whatever, um, it kind of makes sense in this story, considering, but like, that's what she wants them for, and she doesn't really know where any of the other mutants are, the turtles are kind of just out in the open, so, you know, they're the easiest kind of target, especially because they're kids, and so we see her little lackey in the background says that they do have one option, and she goes, yeah, um, bring me the shredder. And that's how the movie ends. We get a really fire shot of Shredder from the back, like looking out into New York with the blades and all that. Man, you know, they only showed that one angle, but Shredder looks fucking awesome. And this is where I kind of want to touch upon the origin because it's very important for where the story could go. Um, so in this movie, the turtle's origin story goes like this. Baxter Stockman makes the mutagen for TCRI. Like, he creates the mutagen. And when his lab is raided, the uh, vial of mutagen gets uh, thrown beneath, uh, like, into the sewers. 
and it lands and spills on four baby turtles. Splinter finds them and, like, you know, kind of takes care of them and stuff, also getting mutated in the process. Wakes up the next day, finds out that he's been mutated, he's growing bigger, they're growing more, uh, they're all growing bigger, more intelligent. And then, you know, Splinter goes out to the real world. Uh, after the turtles express their interests, you know, they get shunned by society, all that. And then Splinter decides he needs to figure out a way to protect turtles and for them to protect themselves from people and like all that in the world that like hates them so splinter decides to learn ninjutsu on youtube (laughs) from a series of videos teaches himself um masters that shit and then teaches the turtles how to be like ninjas um and then that's how they become the ninja turtles and all that so here's the thing. So there's a lot of similarities with this and the 2014 movie because the 2014 movie Splinter also learns ninjutsu, not from YouTube, but from a book. It's whatever. Um, now this has implications for the Shredder because the Turtles origin story. So, okay, just let's clarify some things. The Turtles origin story is, oh, it gets told in every single iteration of the Turtles and it's, it's for a reason. Because the turtle's origin is not consistent. Like, the whole, like, oh, they get mutated by some ooze. Uh, they grow up, Splinter raises them and teaches them ninjutsu. That part is always the same. The circumstances surrounding Splinter's origin and the origin of their mutation is different in every single version. There is no two versions of the turtle's origin story that is the exact same. Um, so it's not like Spider-Man or Batman where you can just forget about telling or showing the origin story because we kind of already know what it is. It's usually the same. You know, this origin story is different every single time. And it's very important because it, there, the turtle's origin, especially Splinter's origin, directly affects the turtle's and Splinter's relationship to the Shredder. Now, I feel like to properly explain this, we're going to have to explain the Turtles' original origin story. For simplicity's sake, we're going to use the original Mirage comics. Um, again, every version is slightly different, and I'll explain that after I tell. So basically, the original Mirage Turtles, their origin goes like this. So we start off with, in, in Japan, the man named Hamato Yoshi, who is a member of the Foot Clan in Japan group of like elite ninjas type shit and within the foot clan he has a rival that you know uh named the roko nage and they compete with for like everything like they compete in all aspects specifically and more importantly to the story for the love of a woman named tang shin and shin only loves yoshi so when um nage goes up to her to try to like win her over or whatever, and she rejects his ass. Cause you little ugly ass motherfucker. Uh he kind of starts to he kind of says, you know what? If I can't have her, no one can, and starts beating her. And Yoshi walks in on this. When Yoshi sees this, he in a fit of rage kills Nage. And killing a member of your own clan is a big no-no. So Yoshi is left with two choices. He either has to kill himself in what is called seppuku, which is ritual suicide, to restore his honor. Or, he can flee with Shin, 
from the country and that's what he chooses to do he goes he takes shin and um his pet rat who is splinter splinter is yoshi's pet rat to america he takes him to new york now in japan nage's younger brother oroku saki important name is furious at the obviously he's upset and furious at the death of his brother so he trains for his whole life you know he joins the foot he um rises through the ranks he's like surpassing a lot of his masters and by the age of 18 he has displayed such great like um uh warriorship and like leadership and stuff that he's chosen to lead the new york branch of the the newly established new york branch of the foot so Nag, so Sake is t- uh, goes to New York and built in over a little bit of time builds the New York Foot Clan into a force to be reckoned with, and starts going by the identity of the Shredder. Then he goes to Yoshi, finds where Yoshi lives, goes to his apartment while he's out, kills Tang Shin, and when Yoshi gets home, surprises him, reveals who he is, and kills Yoshi in revenge for his brother. While knocking Splinter out of his cage, leaving Splinter homeless. Then Splinter, after a little bit, witnesses an accident involving a truck from TCRI, which almost hits an old man, swerves, knocks a canister of mutagen out, hits a, a glass full of f- with four baby turtles into a sewer, and the turtles are then covered in the mutagen. Splinter goes, rescues them. The same things happen. Splinter then sees they mutated and then splinter trains them in ninjutsu which he learned from his master yoshi from mimicking the moves in his cage like and then splinter eventually sends the turtles out to fight orokusaki the shredder to avenge yoshi's death yeah it's a long origin um but that's the thing that's the original turtles origin story from the comics the story, again, is different in every version of the Turtles. In some versions of this story, Hamato Yoshi is Splinter. In the 87 cartoon and the 2012 cartoon, Hamato Yoshi is Splinter himself. He gets mutated and turns into a rat. And, uh, you know, there are, there, you know, other versions, um, Splinter is still Hamato Yoshi's pet rat. In the 90s movie, it's like that. The 03 show, it's like that. You know, he learns ninjutsu from Yoshi. And then, you know, he witnesses Shredder kill him. Um, in the 90s movie, they get rid of Nage and just have the rivalry be between Sake and Yoshi. And then, you know, he kills them and blah, blah, blah. In the 03 show, they kind of combine the Utram part of their origin with Splinter's origin as Yoshi in that show is a guardian of the Utrams. And Orokosake in that version is an Utram. So he kills Yoshi to try to find when he tries to find out where the Utrams are hiding. Um there's other versions like the two like the IDW turtles back in 2011, when that comic first started, those turtles were lab experiments. So they didn't really so Splinter as a rat didn't have any connection to Hamato Yoshi, but it's later revealed when the shredder first appears that splinter and the four turtles are the reincarnations of hamato yoshi and his four sons which orokusaki had killed 
Um, so basically the bottom line is, is that in some way, shape or form, the, uh, Hamato Yoshi is a part of this turtle's origin story and his relationship with the shredder helps to understand the shredder's relationship with the turtles and splinter. Very important part. Uh, I'm not going to really get into the mutation part of their origin in each version because it's really not significant to this i could go into the different like versions of tcri and the utrams and all the krang all this other shit but it's not that important really for the conversation that i'm trying to have here um the 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 thing is so we see that um the shredder and like the turtles kind of start beefing and all this stuff a lot of the times their, st their beef starts with, you know, this incident with Hamato Yoshi and Shredder. Again, in some way, shape, or form, Hamato Yoshi is involved in the origin, whether he is Splinter's, you know, owner and Splinter's his pet rat, or Hamato Yoshi is Splinter himself. Very important part in establishing the relationship between the Turtles and the Shredder. Which is why I bring it up here. Because in this version of the story, Hamato Yoshi is not in it at all. Splinter is just some random-ass rat, learns ninjutsu online on YouTube. There is no connection to the Shredder, which is why I think that this post credit scene is really smart, because they somehow involve the Shredder into this story without having to establish that connection. But my problem here is, is that some of the best stories involving the Turtles and the Shredder come from this beef and this connection that they have. Um, because it makes it a lot more personal. Again, the circumstances surrounding the relationship there is different for which version of the Turtles we're talking about. Because the circumstances for Hamato Yoshi's death are different every time. But, again, nonetheless, it involves those two assholes in some way, shape, or form. And we've the only other version of the Turtles that didn't have this kind of relationship set was the Bay Turtles. And we saw how fucking bad that was. Like, Shredder... like Because, like, Shredder and Splinter fight. They, you know, he shows up in the lair, whoops their asses, blah, blah, blah. Shredder honestly has... And it kind of hurts his character because he has no relationship with these characters. So we see every fight and all this other stuff. It feels meaningless. And all that. They're definitely doing something better with the Shredder in this version. Because he's not a robot samurai. But Shredder in this version... Um, I don't even know if the Foot Clan is a thing. Because the way they say, yeah, bring me the Shredder. He sounds like a mercenary almost. Like he, like an assassin. Which kind of makes sense. He is a ninja at the end of the day. So And ninjas are assassins. So like that kind of... It makes a little bit of sense. But at the same time, it's like... So, like, Shredder's just in this, like, what is he in this for? Like, are you paying, like, what is, like, what is his motivation? Like, are you paying him? Are you, like, like, what does he get out of this? Because, um, they've already said that the, for the sequel of this movie, and this movie's definitely gonna get a sequel, it's a really good film, and it's, um, it seems to be doing pretty good at the box office. Um, like, this film definitely will get a sequel, and they said already that the sequel of this film, the Shredder will be the main villain. So I am very, like, up in the air, like, where exactly are you going to take this story? Because, like, are you just going to have the Shredder kind of play Predator with these guys, with these turtles and stuff? Because, 
Um, like, I don't really know where else, where you can, like, really take this, honestly, without involving, like, you know, Hamatsuyoshi into the turtle's origin. Because, again, Shredder has no connection to these turtles or to Splinter at all, other than the fact that he is going to be hired to hunt them down. You know, maybe something will happen in the next movie to make Shredder have more of a connection and more of a want to bring these turtles down, but I don't really know, man. Because, like, you get... Because, like, from the turtles beef with the shredder you get stories like shredder strikes back and uh return to new york you know really great iconic stories in the turtles universe that only can come from this connection they have you know it's uh, i'm very confused but also excited to see where they go because also i you know i i have my concerns with the shredder in this because you know, the tone of this movie, everyone's obviously, like, not as serious. While the Shredder is a very serious character. And that's how he's presented. So, I'm very much hoping that with the Shredder... In th what I hope for the Shredder in this um, sequel is let the Turtles be the Turtles. Let them be themselves and stuff. Um, let Shredder be menacing. Let him be serious. Let him be cold and calculating and whoop absolute ass. Because if you really think about it, um, these again, what I said about these turtles earlier, how they're not experienced fighters, that is where this is where it's gonna come back to bite them in the ass. Because Shredder is a master ninja. Again, he is one of the Foot Clan's, if not the Foot Clan's best warrior. Um, he is a dangerous individual. The turtles struggle fighting him in a lot of different versions. The Mirage comic is not as serious, you know, Shredder, he kind of, he kind of gets folded very easily, but, you know, these turtles struggle to fight him a lot of the time, especially in that first fight with them, and I'm looking at these turtles, and I'm like, no cap, you know, maybe they are having, maybe they're doing this angle of he's gonna have to capture them for this lady or whatever, because, let's be honest, I feel like one fight, the turtle, if the first fight that the turtles get into with, with this version of the Shredder, you know, I feel like they're going to die. Like, let's be real. They have no chance. The way, like, yes, these guys, these turtles, you know, they're, they're fighting. They, they can fight a bit and stuff. Like, and they have the experience from this movie, but they are not as capable as some of the other versions of the turtle have been. Like, we see, like, even in uh, the 2012 Ninja Turtle show, which is the only other version that really aged the turtles down like this. The turtles definitely, they don't feel as much as teenagers in that show as they do in this movie, but still. Um, even in that show, like, the turtles, like, when they go out and they start first start fighting and all that, they are still very capable, like, combatants. The turtles in this movie are not. Like, they are very sloppy fighters, and the reason why they get the upper hand and are able to win the fights in this movie is because, like, the goons that they fight in this film are not trained fighters. So, like, obviously they're gonna look a lot better fighting against people that don't know what the fuck they're doing. So when you throw them this fucking, like, trained master, like, assassin that, like, knows his shit against four, like, teenagers, <laughs> I don't think it's gonna end too well for him. I'm not gonna lie. They're kind of fucked. 
because especially the way this movie ends, it doesn't look like Splinter is teaching them anymore, like ninjutsu. He might still be teaching them some stuff. Um, it doesn't really look like they're really practicing ninjutsu that much. Man, I'm honestly kind of scared for these boys, bro. They're gonna get their fucking asses whooped. Like someone, someone's going, some uh, realistically speaking, someone's gonna die. Someone should die. <laughs> honestly, like I think that's what they're gonna have it be that. Cynthia tells Shredder, I want these turtles alive so I can take their blood. Because if not, then Shredder's gonna kill him. <laughs> He's gonna kill him. Like, honestly, like, this the, this version of the Shredder looks menacing as fuck. Like, the turtles are screwed. So, man, like, again, like, I wanna know <laughs> exactly how... Because they're fighting an uphill battle. I don't know how in the hell they're going to expect to beat this version of the Shredder. But again, that is also... I'm also depend like basing this off of what I expect this version of the Shredder to be. So, I don't know. Maybe Shredder is not as good as I'm praising him to be. But honestly, I think for this story and this for this world, like we kind of have to do the Shredder this way or else it's not going to work. I don't want a goofy shredder. I don't want a. Not, I don't want like an eighty-seven shredder. Even though for that version it works and it's great. I mean, R.I.P. Uncle Phil. But you know, I feel like for this story, we're gonna we need a shredder that's more serious. He's being portrayed in his one and only appearance as a more serious like adversary. I don't want him to can crack jokes and shit. He can say like the Dino Turtle Soup line and all that. Like, I don't care, but you know, I, I want this guy to. I want this guy to be a badass. And if he is going to be a badass like he was shown to be in that post credit scene, man, uh, I'm scared for these motherfuckers. I don't know how the hell they're supposed to fight him. I don't know how the hell they're supposed to survive a fight with him. Man, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see. There's a lot of different storylines with the Shredders, a lot of different things that they can use to take with this. I honestly think that taking a more of like a Shredder Strikes Back approach to this would be better. Like, maybe, like, the turtles are just, like, you know, maybe some of them are in the lair and, like, whatever. Or maybe they're just chilling at April's place and, like, one of them goes out. It's usually Leonardo, so I'll just use him as an example. Like, Leonardo goes out and he's just kind of, I don't know, maybe just buying some chips or some shit. <laughs> he's out, this nigga goes to buy his bacon, egg, and cheese, you know. Um, and he's walking back to April's place and he gets uh, jumped by some foot ninja. You know, maybe he's able to beat them because he's a mutant and they're ninja and they're just like normal ninjas. Whatever, you know, maybe he gets ambushed. Uh, they're whooping his ass a little bit. There's a lot of them. And then the Shredder pulls up and he's like, yo, what? Who the fuck is this? And the Shredder beats his ass and then throws him through the apartment and they have that whole thing and they have to leave New York. And then maybe Splinter decides to train them a, a bit more to have to be able to fight the Shredder and stuff. Something like that would maybe work. I don't know. There's a lot of different ways that they can do this story with him. I know for a fact I'm very excited to see it. Um, you know, but that that's that's the, that's just me theorizing. Like I don't know where they're gonna go with this, and we're probably not gonna see this movie for a few years because the actor and writer strike is still going on. Because the studios are being bastards and not paying the people what they deserve. So uh, we're not gonna see this. There's probably not gonna be any work done on this on the sequel for a, a hot minute. But you know. Looking at the movie we got, I think this is a really great story. I really liked it overall. Again, I think it's uh, amazing. This is one of the best Ninja Turtle movies we've gotten like ever. Like it, it, it is like it's top two, if not like number one. 
for for sure. Like this, the only thing that competes with this really is that first '90s movie. Um, but score wise, out of ten, man, this honestly this might sound a little bit high, but I'm gonna give this fucking movie like an eight. Like, it's not the greatest movie in the world, but like this is a great, it's a good ass movie, and that might just be my Ninja Turtles nostalgia, like inflating the score but i honestly think this movie is great and i think that anybody like uh young or old you know can enjoy this film a lot so yeah i'm, I'm gonna give this an eight out of ten like this is a solid ass film um but uh that's that's about it for me today uh yeah don't know if i'll put out another episode or whatever this week i don't know I, I i've been wanting to rewatch the dark knight so i don't know maybe i'll do that but uh, until next time, peace.